everyone. Brian here, Franchise Radio Show. Delighted to have you here again. I always enjoy these occasions, as I'm sure you realise. Um, and today, got what I think is a critical uh, message for everybody, particularly people in small and medium-sized business, and particularly those of us who are not particularly techie and so forth. The title is Discover the Inside Secrets to Building a Great Virtual Team. You know, in the digital area, um, really, virtual teams are becoming a cornerstone of modern business. In this interview today with Cody Thompson, we're delving into the practices of aspects of assembling, managing, and scaling a virtual team, covering a broad range from understanding why virtual teams are essential for business growth to mastering the art of effective remote management. And herein lies the key. And so what we endeavor to do here is to cover everything you need to know about virtual team building. I've known Cody for some years, and I've watched with admiration the way he's dynamically grown. He really is a, a visionary leader. He's got a track record of success he's built up in a very short and enviable time. He's already got a reputation as the founder of Lightning Sites. They're a web development company. He built from a $250 startup to a multi-million dollar enterprise. And it was uh, really impressive, generating excess of $5 million worth of profit across an eight-year period. And uh, over that time with Lightning Sites, he built over 1,500 websites, servicing 800 clients monthly and generating excess of half a million leads for his clients. And uh, after successfully building his own remote team, Herein comes Cody's expertise that he's going to share today. And growing Lightning Sites, he exited. He sold it, sold it uh, very successfully and developed and launched the business WorkPod in 2021. The co-founder Dale Beaumont, many of you know of Dale, or you've heard me mention him. WorkPod specializes in helping companies build teams in the Philippines, offering really, I suppose, a range of comprehensive services that includes talent recruitment, finding the people for you, state-of-the-art working spaces, not working from home in the dining room or the kitchen running around and also provides extensive training and support for clients and and essentially for their Filipino talent and what he and Dale are doing in the Philippines for their teams and ultimately for yours if you use the services to me is extraordinary in two years or coming up to three years that this business has been running Cody's facilitated the placement of over 650 remote staff for work pod clients and uh, helping them all grow you know the efficiency of their businesses reducing operational costs and strengthening their enterprises. So beyond his business endeavours, Cody's a devoted husband with, I think, three daughters, and he's deeply committed to philanthropy. I'd like to welcome Cody to us today. Cody, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I don't know if I've missed anything from your bio. <laughs> no, it's, it's always a bit embarrassing, to be honest, to listen to that much information about yourself. But it, yeah, it's a real joy to, to be on the show with you, Brian. Yeah, and it's a joy for us to have you here. So thank you so much for being available. So let's kick off with a few key things. I've got some obvious questions here, but um, I'm very happy for you to dive off down any rabbit holes, Cody. If you think there's a message coming that popped up in our conversation, please bring it in and let's share sure. it with everyone. So I think the first one, the, the reason we're here today, and I think the point we really want to make to our listeners is the seven reasons you're going to share why businesses must embrace virtual assistance. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I could go through all seven, but it might take the whole show. But I just think that it's becoming a necessity really for, for businesses to embrace the global community. And we were talking earlier before um, we, we started recording manufacturing 
manufacturing was one of the first industries, you know, to embrace this kind of global economy. I, you know, if you go back to when I was a kid, a lot more things were manufactured here in Australia, manufactured in Western countries, and you know, maybe a small percentage of things were manufactured overseas. Well, nowadays, you know, if you want to buy a phone, you know, Apple products, uh, Mercedes Benz, all these types of big brands that are manufactured in China or in other Asian countries, and so it's been something that manufacturing has caught on to early. But uh, nowadays, even service-based businesses, businesses all over Australia, are embracing the idea of building international teams. And it's not to the extent that you're losing your local teams; it, it's empowering your local teams to do more important tasks by offshoring repetitive, lower-value tasks to, to offshore talent, so that your local staff can focus on higher-level activities in in your business. And I guess that's what we promote at WorkPod, and we've helped a lot of companies to embrace that kind of idea. Yeah, I think I've seen it with you know a number of traditional service businesses, even people like plumbers and so forth, and electricians who don't re- haven't realised until recently the capacity that they are, or the capabilities of using um, offshore staff. So I, I appreciate you could go on, as you say, for quite a long time. There's a whole, a whole number of reasons. And maybe at the end of the session, we can refer people through to a source where they can learn a bit more. But in the meantime, what would you summarise as some of the key tasks that our listeners can outsource to VAs, Cody? Yeah, there's all kinds of things like, I mean, answering uh, reception phone calls, like incoming phone calls, any sort of administration tasks, um, any sort of project management tasks, like collaborating with different people to get things done, marketing tasks, bookkeeping, accounting services, uh, graphic design, video editing, audio engineering. We've placed CAD drawers for engineering firms. We've placed paralegals into legal firms. Um, we've got uh, para-financial planners for financial planning firms. I mean, there's it's really, it's not just low, it's not just basic tasks. You can find specialists to work alongside Australians in your core competencies. Like my first company, as you said earlier, Brian, was a web development company. I didn't just have project managers and customer service people. I also had web developers, web designers are working alongside our Australian team. So it allowed us to offer a high level product uh, at a lower price, essentially, and to serve our clients better. And so that was part of the success that we had at Lightning Sites. Yeah, look, I think it's a matter of overcoming that perception people have traditionally from, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago in the early days when VAs were first introduced, I suppose, into, you know, into the, into the economy and so forth, is that, as you say, the broad range of skills that are out there, certainly I know from our experience, a lot of people in the Philippines are very highly educated, they're excellent English and grammar and so forth. So it's uh, it often surprises people. They don't realise, as you say, paralegals and parafinancial assistants, goodness me, who would have thought 10 years ago <laughs> dealing with people at that sort of level? It's amazing. I think, I think the education over there is um, excelling um, over the years. So maybe that's part of it that, you know, the it's become more and more popular to get work in the Philippines with international companies. Um, but the universities over there now are very, you know, very competent. They don't have quite as broad a range of courses as what you would see here in Australia. For example, if you were trying to hire a draft person here in Australia, there's specific courses around drafting, whereas in the Philippines, it's just all part of the architecture course. So, you know, we would have a, a, a wider range, I guess, of choices when our, and specialties when it comes to our education. But there's some fantastic universities over there that are, yeah, really producing some amazingly talented people. Great. So if I'm anticipating making this move, I say, right, this sounds interesting, Cody. How do I get my systems ready? How do I get myself prepared to start hiring somebody? It starts with under, you know understanding what areas of the business 
that you can, that you could potentially get off your plate. So the first thing that I would recommend people do is to sit down and think about their business and every every task that is required to actually make their business run. So um, you could use a, a, a mind mapping tool or something like that online. I also have a checklist that I can I give you, Brian, that you can include in the show notes. It's got 156 things that you can outsource to virtual assistants. And so your listeners could go through that checklist, thinking about their business and look at the tasks in that checklist and just see which areas are they currently, maybe there's tasks that they're doing that they don't enjoy, or maybe there's tasks that they've always had on their list to do, but they've never had the time to do it. And they can go through and basically build out a list of the different things that they could offshore. And then once we have that information, we can help them design a job description and then go out and find the person uh, to fill that role in their business. So you've got a team of people who handle all those elements that you're discussing here. Yeah, exactly. There's uh, We've got a recruitment team that basically can assist in, in finalizing a job description. We place ads online and uh, right now we're getting, you know, three, 400 applicants a week at WorkPod, uh, people that are looking for work. And so we basically just play the matchmaker, I guess. We interview people, make sure that, that they're competent. And then, yeah, if there's clients that are looking to hire those types of talent, then we just basically match them up. I suppose I've found the big challenge for people is actually, it's, it's the classic of someone in a small to medium sized business, particularly if they're the founder of the business, is actually letting go and trusting somebody else. Yeah. The basic tasks that they, they're just afraid someone's going to get it wrong. How do you respond to that? You're absolutely right. That is the probably the biggest challenge, even more so than figuring out what tasks to have them do. It's the mindset of an entrepreneur and I guess the mindset of the leader of the business. I call it a superhero syndrome. That's what we all start, a lot of us start with, myself included. When I first started building my team, you have this thought, you know, nobody can do it as well as me or, you know, this is a skill that only I have. And of course, that's a lie that we're telling ourselves and it's, it's a limiting belief. It stops us from empowering others. And you can never grow a great successful company without building team. And every single time my business has stopped growing, I've been the reason. Maybe it was, uh, you could point your finger and, and say, I can't find quality staff or my staff don't do it what do it right. But the reality is if you can't find quality staff, maybe it's because you're not a quality leader. And that was the realization that I've come to at different periods of my journey as running a business or if people are not doing it the way that they should, we could point the finger and say that they're, they're not a quality staff member, but that the reality is we probably don't have quality systems. And so, yeah, it comes back to leadership. And I guess all I can say is to encourage people to, to take ownership of their business. And uh, when there's issues, uh, rather than looking somewhere else to point the finger, look inside yourself and see if there's areas in the business that you need to work on as the owner of the business and take responsibility. I think you're so right. Leadership is a massive thing. So, you know, I think if you look at any successful entrepreneur, even the scale of the richest man in the world, I think Jeff Bezos, I mean, he, one of his comments early on was just employ people who are better than you are. It's as simple as that. You know, you're the facilitator. You're the conductor of the orchestra and that's it, you know. Um, yeah, when you talk, when you hear him talk about how he runs his team though, he's also very um, empowering. So, for example, I, I've learned something off Jeff Bezos. He, he talks a lot about being the last person to talk in a meeting. That's something a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. You know, they'll go into a meeting and they'll tell everyone what they should do and all it does is make people more reliant on you. Whereas, you know, what, one simple thing is being the last person to talk in a meeting, come in with a problem, let people throw their ideas around and hold your tongue until the end. And it's very difficult to do <laughs> uh, when you're an entrepreneur and you're, you know, you're a salesperson, you often, you know, you just want to jump in and solve the issue. But if, if you do that every time, then you don't teach your people how to think. And that's so important if you're building, if you're trying to build a great business, you need, 
you need all of the people in your company using their brains, not just relying on your brain. So that that statement, I can't remember who it was that used it, that had a sign when they went into a meeting. It said, leave your ego at the door. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is what it comes down to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe. In, I mean, to be honest, most of the time I've found that it's it's been the biggest challenge for myself as the leader of the business. It's easy to have that ego yourself, especially if you have any sort of success. People will congratulate you, tell you you're doing a good job. And it's you have to, you know, say thank you, but also leave that. Uh, don't let it soak in too much and make sure that you're empowering the team that you have. And like you said, don't come into meetings with an ego. No, look, we can have a whole conversation about that. So we'll park that issue. <laughs> so tell me, I mean, your expertise in this area, I, I respect it enormously. So what would you say if I said, what are the three main ways to find VAs? And I suppose, what do you think is the best way of doing it generally? Yeah, so the first way I tried was was just using online tools like Upwork and Freelancer. So that's like the freelancer model. Uh, there's heaps of websites out there. As I said, Upwork, freelancer.com, uh, Fiverr, websites like this where you can find talent all around the world that can help you with tasks in your business. And those tools are great. They're where I started. But what you'll find is that the people on these platforms are freelancers. So they're, they're typically not looking for a long-term job. They're typically charging casual rates. So even though they're cheaper than Australia, they're still not as cheap as if you were hiring someone permanently. They're, they're charging a margin. Also, those platforms take a margin of what they're earning, about 20 to 25% of what those people are earning. And so they're adding that on top of their normal fees. But you, as a business owner, it's a great place to start and dip your toes in the water. But long-term, you're not going to find people that are really looking for a, a long-term career. And you're going to spend a lot of time searching through various candidates because basically you put up a job ad people bid for the job. You have to review their their resumes, message them, talk to them. It, you spend a lot of time finding them. So that's the first way. The second way that I tried is after trying that model, I was like, I knew that I wanted to build a team with my staff together. And so I thought I just need to go to the Philippines. So I went to the Philippines and I, I met with many agencies. So that's the other model. In the Philippines, they call them BPOs, which is business process outsourcing. And there's heaps of agencies in the Philippines that offer this service. And basically, Basically, what they do is they hire staff on your behalf and then they lease the staff to you. Now, again, it's cheaper than what you would get here in Australia, but it's they're still adding about three times the cost of the, the staff member. So they might be paying the staff member 500 um, US dollars a month, but then they're charging you 1500 US dollars a month. And for me, there was two concerns I had with the model. Firstly, I felt like it was borderline slave labor, like the way that these agencies were set up. They're not adding a lot of value on top of the salary and yet they're tripling the cost. And so to me, I had some concerns ethically about the model. And then secondly, you don't own the staff. And for me, I don't want to have my most important asset in my business being owned or controlled by somebody else. And so I felt that it was a dangerous business model for me to have a large part of my business controlled by another business. And so I decided I'm going to have to do this myself. And so I ended up creating my own company. I ended up renting my own building, hiring all my own staff directly. Um, and so what we do now at WorkPod is we're like in between those two models. We provide the buildings, we provide the internet, we provide the, the support for the Australian 
hiring businesses, the support for the VAs. But instead of us hiring the staff and leasing them to businesses, we help businesses hire the staff directly. And so the, the Australian businesses are paying, I guess, wholesale price, direct price to the staff. And then we charge a fee for those staff to work from our serviced offices and for us to provide the basically the infrastructure and support. So it's a much more transparent business model. Everybody knows who's getting paid what. It's not like this weird, like, oh, I'm paying the you, but I'm not sure how much the staff is getting paid. Everybody knows what everyone else is getting paid. Everything's transparent. And ultimately, the Australian businesses have a staff member who has a direct relationship with them. And so they're much more likely to stay, much more likely to perform in the business. So it's a win for everybody. Hmm. I love it. A rough idea of what you did, but I didn't realize I really respect that. And having experienced the previous examples you mentioned of the, you know, Upwork and so on and so forth and various other freelancers and then the BPOs, which come in a whole variety of colors like a, you know, like a zebra. It's interesting to hear what you described there. And of course, you've proven the model, Cody. There's no question about that. So the other thing where there's always the uncertainty, you hear people saying, oh, I pay $5 an hour, I pay $10 an hour, blah, 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 blah you know, even talking about staff in Australia as well, you know, wage rates or hourly rates vary for contractors and everything else. How do you calculate salaries for people in places like the Philippines? And and also the other one is, I mean, we know there's PayPal and these sorts of things, but how do you recommend people actually pay their staff yeah. have as VAs? That's a great question. Obviously, a lot of experience comes into knowing how much salaries are worth in specific areas. Like think about even Australia, the cost of uh, the same role in Sydney will be different to if you hire someone here where I live in northern New South Wales out, out of the city. So the location, the type of work, the years of experience, the person, even the way the person presents in interviews will all affect how much that person is capable of earning. And so that's part of, I think, where WorkPod is very helpful. We have hired, at this stage, we've hired over 800 people now in um, Dumaguete, which is where our offices are based. So we know what roles are going for. We know what they would get paid if they got jobs with other in other workplaces around the city. And so it allows us to negotiate a good salary for the VA, but also a fair salary for the Australian business that's putting the person on. We want to make sure that it's a win for everybody. And so we're able to help negotiate those rates. Uh, in terms of how you pay them, there's different tools. I personally use a tool called Airwallex, which is a digital bank account, has very low international fees. And so you can basically transfer money straight from your Australian bank account uh, into the staff member's bank account in the Philippines with very small currency conversion fees and virtually no fees, no transaction fees. So it's a great tool. You basically just transfer money from your Australian bank account into Airwallex, which has its own uh, BSB and account number. I believe Airwallex is backed by ANZ Bank. So it is a legitimate institution. And then uh, from Airwallex, you can transfer it into basically any bank account in the world with over, you know, I think it's got over 50 different currencies it can transfer into. So it's, it's a pretty cool tool. In this in this day of fraud and goodness knows what, you never know when you pick up the phone or, or you receive a payment, who's doing what and where it's coming from and this, that and the other. So that's interesting and, and very reassuring. I can understand why you call. Was it Airwallex or Airwallex? Air Wallex. So yeah, A-I-R-W-A-L-L-E-X, right. airwallex.com. All right. Good. That's good to know just for general purposes of things anyway. So that's something to know. So there's another app going on my phone. <laughs> so 
the other thing is, you know, the thing is, I suppose, look, in Australia, over COVID, I think people in all sorts of businesses learned you can trust employees to work from home. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always this mistrust amongst employers, big and small, you know, whether it doesn't matter who the, who the company was, Broken Hill Company or whether it was the, the lawyer around the corner, they didn't really trust people working from home. They felt unsure they're going to be working solidly doing the job. We've all learned different to that now. In fact, people are saying that productivity from people working from home or remotely is often higher. So um, that's been an eye opener. So we know it's there for good. So we've got to, this is all part of why I'm talking to you because we've really got to gear up for this, this situation. So how do you manage people in that environment? There's a number of ways of doing it. What what would you say, what was your recommendation for managing them? So you, I I've got a bit of an eye on what people are doing. Yeah, so I think I agree with what you were saying about COVID. Many people, many businesses, there was a big push towards that work from home for obvious reasons. But we are finding across the board now, a lot of businesses are trying to return from to a work from office environment. There's a big push, you know, in Australia at the moment, a lot of the larger companies trying to get people back uh, back into the office. So working remotely is good, but there is challenges when they're with working from home, particularly in the Philippines, just because of, it's not like here in Australia where, you know, we like I'm sitting in an office at my house right now. I don't have distractions. I've got great internet connection. But in the Philippines, they live in much smaller homes. They tend to have more people living in their homes, like grandparents, uh, kids. Uh, internet connections not as good. Power is not as reliable. So one of the things, one of the reasons why I believe in what we're doing at WorkPod is because of the facilities that we provide. So it allows people to have a remote workforce, but still have proper infrastructure. So reliable internet connection reliable power. So I guess your question about how do you work with a remote team, there's different software tools that uh, that we recommend. When people work with WorkPod, there's a, a tool called Time Doctor, which is a time tracking and task management tool, which comes for free uh, with any uh, for any of the people that are hired at WorkPod. And what that tool allows you to do is it allows you to track the time of the staff member and what tasks they were working on during that time. Uh, if you want to, it has the ability to take screenshots of the screen so that you can, if if you need to go back and check uh, what somebody was working on, you can. A lot of our clients don't use that feature for, for privacy reasons, but if there's been challenges with a staff member's performance, that feature is there if needed. So tools like that are very important. And then I would suggest you need to have regular contact with a staff member. You can't forget just because they're called a virtual assistant doesn't mean they're not a real person. They're not a AI tool on the end of your chat message. You got to understand that that's a real person. Uh, so when you're sending tasks over to them when you're you know, trying to help them to um, learn the, the, the systems in your business. You want to spend time with them just like you would if you were hiring a staff member here in Australia. So that's really critical. And we would just typically recommend having a daily huddle with them at the beginning. So meet with them every morning and then have them send an end of day report at the end of the day. At, at that as a bare minimum when they're starting, we'll just ensure that you're staying connected to them and that you're aware of what they're working on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'd certainly bear that out from my experience. So, you know, we'll get things wrong when you do it, particularly when you're doing something for the first time. So what are some of the key mistakes that you see people making? And I suppose, obviously, if there's mistakes you're aware of, how do you avoid the mistakes in the first place? That's the value of our conversation. <laughs> yeah. Some of the mistakes would be just not treating them like a real person, as I mentioned before. So that would be one, like so people then often then don't spend enough time with them to onboard them. Another mistake would be just trying to give them too many, you know, too many different types of tasks all at the start. Like, so 
where someone comes into your business and all of a sudden you lump 30 things on their desk and expect them to be able to prioritize them and make them happen without providing them enough training or with it, with enough um, context around what tasks you want them to do first. So I would suggest you have like five things maximum that you want them to help you with initially. You help them prioritize what those things are. Then I would ensure that you have some systems uh, on how you want them to do things. If you don't have those systems, then get them involved in helping you create those systems. So jump on and have Zoom meetings where you can talk through how you do a certain thing in your business. You could record those meetings, get them to type that up into a into a process. So if you don't have the systems, then get them to help you document them as they're starting. But that's really key, making sure you don't give them too many things. Make sure you help them either show them what the system is or help them to document the system. Um, so you're going to need to spend an investment of time initially, just like if you were hiring anyone here in Australia, you wouldn't just have them come in and then you know not spend any time with them. You need to make sure you're spending adequate time with them at the beginning, get them up and running. Once they've nailed those five tasks, give them five more. That's kind of you know some some key, I guess, mistakes that people make right from the beginning. Yeah, I certainly endorse that. Um, and I suppose that's why we tend to hang on with, well, all of us tend to hang on to a staff member sometimes when it's time for them to move on, because you know, I mean, it doesn't matter who they are, whatever the role is, it's probably a couple of months before they've got a hang of how you do things, the software you use, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the way you use your CRMs, blah, 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 blah. So, but I certainly agree. I personally, I'm I'm a big list lister. I make lots of lists. Yeah. Big trouble is having that many items in front of me. I find it daunting. My head starts spinning. So it's exactly the same. You have to bear in mind your own habits and challenges, I think, and just look at them through another pair of eyes with your VAs and uh, keep it down, as you say, to that list of a handful of things so that they're not intimidated. There's nothing worse than feeling that the world's falling down on top of you. <laughs> exactly. And, it, and especially when you are remote, you don't have someone next to you. You know, If you did that to a staff member in Australia, they might be able to ask somebody else in the office, hey, what do you think I should prioritize first? But if they're there by themselves overseas with no one to talk to, then it, it's even more daunting. So I would say there's so many benefits with outsourcing, obviously the cost savings, but one of the things that is a requirement is a little bit of extra time in the beginning. Mm. I would suggest that when someone's working remotely, onboarding takes a little bit more effort than if they were sitting next to you in your Australian office. But once you've invested that time, obviously you're reaping the rewards. Um, it's about a sixth of the price of hiring an Australian staff member. So if you think you're hiring a, for example, we help a lot of medical clinics. If you were to hire a medical receptionist in Melbourne, it'd be 70,000 you know, or more um, to get a quality medical receptionist. You can get the same staff member at about between 15 and 20,000 in the Philippines. So between sort of four to six times less than the similar sort of staff member here in Australia. So the cost savings is big, but there is initial initially extra effort, I think, to actually onboard them and make sure that you onboard them properly. I think you're right. And investing time at the beginning is the key. So, you know, there are a lot of good, good small to medium-sized businesses out there. They've got the capacity to grow. It's having the tools and the confidence to actually take that step. So I guess that investing in that first one or two in remote employees then gives you the ability to expand on a larger scale. And I think it, I think it often does. People don't realize their, their own capacity. And as you start to grow a business, you realize, hey, I can do this. Because right. once you stop the self-limiting, as you said earlier, then you've got that ability. You know, don't be the stupid hero who has to do everything. So, so if you are 
embarking on this journey and let's look let's look positively at the future and say yes you're starting to grow you're anticipating larger growth and certainly you need to be preparing or anticipating for it how do you scale from just your first VA upwards what would you recommend yeah it starts with I think so that one of the great things about hiring staff overseas is your ability to scale faster because if you were to hire a staff member in Australia like let's just say 60,000 as a minimum or 50,000 perhaps as a minimum salary for any role obviously up from there, it's daunting to take on an extra salary because it's so much extra revenue that has to be brought in every month. And so that often leads to people waiting too long to hire because they don't have the confidence to hire ahead. But one great thing about outsourcing is the ability to hire early. You can hire in anticipation of scale and it allows you to scale much faster. And that's what I found um, when I was growing the web development company because it's only about $15,000 a year for a staff member. You can hire four or five for the price of what you would hire here in Australia. And so that allows you to scale much quicker. And then you can be more strategic about the the hires that you're hiring here in Australia. You can hire higher level talent and have them focused on higher level tasks in the business that are going to drive the growth rather than having them focused on stuff that is you know not worth the money that their, that their salary costs the business. So what I would suggest if, if people are starting out, I would suggest the most important role a CEO could hire would be like an executive assistant or somebody that can help them to buy back time in their business. If you think of any company, if the CEO was able to get an extra 10 or 15 hours a week to invest their time building the company, that would probably be the highest return on investment any business could do. Because typically the entrepreneur is the, at least in the beginning, is the largest revenue driver for the business. So if, if you can have someone filtering your email inbox, if you can have somebody that you can audio dictate emails to while you're driving home or can help book uh, your calendar, make sure that your calendar is efficient, that time has been blocked out to do the most important tasks that you need to get done. If you have someone who can basically just all those little admin tasks that you do every single day, if they can take some of those things off your plate and get you like an extra day's worth of work in, in every week, if you compound that over a, a long period of time, it makes a massive difference in your business. So that'd be the first hire, I think, Brian, would be somebody who could help whatever task you're doing as the business owner, hire somebody who could take those lower value or repetitive tasks off your plate so you get more time to invest back in the business. And then once you've done that, you can then hire other roles around that person and use that person as a bit of a project manager. So they become like the team leader or the the liaison officer, I guess, with the other people that you have. So you start with one, then you end up hiring, say, five or six, and then your EA becomes like a team leader for those other four or five. That'll get you up to maybe a size of six staff. And then from there, you need to start to split it into you know departments. So I went from six to about 15. And then from 15, I had two managers managing teams of seven. And then from there, I find people can't tend to manage more than six or seven people well. And so we basically just kept splitting out departments from there until our team was about, about 90 staff when we sold the business last year. But it starts with the basically getting you more time back as a business owner and then building around those people as capacity allows. Well, thank you, Cody. It, I think you've all gathered from listening to Cody. I'm talking to Cody Thompson today from workpod.com that, that Cody really knows his stuff. And uh, certainly as a user of VAs and EAs for more than, well, over a decade, I've learned a few things today as well. So I hope you have, but I hope you can appreciate there's a lot more out there. And I think that Cody is a, a huge resource and he's obviously very well leveraged, I, I've got to tell you. So 
Cody, if people like to learn a bit more, where would you just say go after that conversation today? Yeah, workpod.com, our website. It's W-R-K-P-O-D, W-R-K-P-O-D.com. We've got a heap of resources. There's a 45-minute video training on there that people can watch if they want to dive deeper into this topic. We have uh, the checklist I mentioned before, Brian's available on our website, 156 things that you can outsource to VAs. There's also a pay scale matrix. You asked a question about how much people get paid that has lists of roles and prices for junior, mid-level and senior. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of onboarding templates and there's an FAQ section on our website as well where we answer a lot of questions about tools you can use and things like that. Um, So there's heaps of information about outsourcing that people can get access to for free on our website. And it sounds to me like there aren't many areas of endeavor that you can't find somebody to fill some roles, at least to help people to leverage themselves in their role. You mentioned you're working in the medical area, for example, you know, that's one where people shun that space because it's it's very sensitive, higher level of expertise, compliance and so on. But obviously you've cracked that one. Well, here's the, I mean, the, the big complaint people have is the idea of it stealing Australian jobs. I mean, that's, I guess, how people, I guess, why it gets a bad name. But the reality in practice is that when you outsource low value tasks, it doesn't create less Australian jobs, it actually creates more. So for example, in the medical field, there's a lot of receptionists now in medical practices around Australia that are burning out. The average medical practice right now has a margin of only 8%. That's the industry average. And I went, before I started working with medical practices, my assumption was that they were all rich, you know, that they mm-hmm. would make loads of money. But the reality is most medical clinics, because they care so much about their patients, they often are not making very smart decisions around the finances and they're doing a lot to help people and not earning very much money for it. And a lot of the time their reception are answering up to a thousand phone calls a day for medical clinics. And at the same time, they're supposed to be lodging medical documentation. They're supposed to be scheduling appointments. They're supposed to be smiling at the person who comes into the medical clinic. And they're trying to do all of these things um, at the same time. And so if you can do something like, for example, offload the documents, if you can offload 90% of the inbound phone calls and the scheduling of appointments, what that does is it allows the local Australian staff to offer better care to the patients that are coming in. And when they're able to do that, they make more money, they hire more doctors, they hire more nurses. And so in actual fact, what happens is it creates opportunity for them to create more Australian jobs. But it's just, you can understand how people kind of, I guess, would come to that logic. But when you actually see it outworked in businesses, embracing offshore talent doesn't uh, reduce Australian opportunities, it actually creates creates more opportunities. That's what I've found when working with clients over the last, you know, over the last 10 years hiring staff overseas. Yeah, look, and I've found as well, you know, it's, it's actually very satisfying to know that you're helping people elsewhere improve their quality of living, often helping them, you know, move away from comparative poverty. So they're able to have a better lifestyle, educate their children better, feed everybody in the family better. There's a holistic sort of, I think it's a worldwide thing. And the more we encourage this, then I think, you know, it's better for the whole global community. We're lifting the watermark, I suppose, is what it boils down to. So That's uh, right. Yeah, in the Philippines, they say that one full-time staff member cares for 20 Filipinos. So if you hire one uh, person, it it can lift 20 people out of poverty. That's a crazy statistic, but that's the state of the country over there. So we have a goal at WorkPod to create 10,000 jobs in the next five years. So our goal is 
you know, if we achieve that, we'll lift basically 200,000 people out of poverty in the Philippines through the clients that we we support. So it is it is a very fulfilling thing, like you said, to hire someone overseas. You're, you're actually, yeah, really changing their life. Cody, I'll take my hat off to you in every respect. <laughs> You've achieved a lot. And I'm sure you'll continue to achieve a lot more. So you're someone to keep an eye on from that point of view. And uh, I think for every listening today on, on their behalf, I say thank you for being so generous. I find the great thing with you and with Dale is your generosity in sharing. So I do recommend that you do take up Cody's offer and go to workpod.com and have a look at some of that material there. So uh, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up for the day, Cody, that you think? Oh, just just uh, thank you so much for having me, Brian. I think I was 20... 23 when I met you. I'm 34 now. So it's 11 years ago. You were speaking at one of Dale's events on franchising and uh, I was, you know, wet behind the ears, just started. I was a graphic designer, just a freelancer. I think maybe at that stage I had not even any staff when I first met you. I think it might've been the very first year I was part of Dale Dale's um, business coaching program. So thank you for having me. And, you know, you, you've been very generous too with, you know, your, yeah, being, your, you sharing your knowledge with me, you know, all the way back then. So I really appreciate it. Fantastic. So everybody, thank you very much. Look forward to catching up with the game when we have our next Franchise Radio Show.